What's up, guys? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly. We are one week away from the 2022 NFL Draft in Las Vegas. And money, I tell you, we're spoiled having DJ around us all during the regular season. Uh, one of the best draft minds there is. This guy, too, the fresh off the beast, Dane Brugler of The Athletic. Dane's going to be joining us on the podcast over the next few weeks, uh, getting you ready and then also recapping the draft. Uh, Dane, I, I've done these Crossfire series with you. They've been a lot of fun. I know fans have really enjoyed them. And uh, we're excited to welcome you into the podcast and have you answer some questions from the fans and, and from me and Money. No, I can't wait. This is going to be a lot of fun. This is a, a, a draft where there's plenty of storylines, plenty of players. I mean, the Pro Bowlers are going to come out of this draft. So, you know, let's, let's, let's figure out who those guys are going to be and let's get them on the Chargers. Yeah, you know, Dane, it's interesting because we did this, I think it was last week, Chris, or maybe it was two weeks ago. And we did this last year when we talked about how many quarterbacks have to be drafted for this pool yeah. of what we think are blue chips to slide to number 13. And we just did this last week. And it's, you know, we figure four wide receivers, three corners, there's four tackles. And we're trying to figure out what is it two quarterbacks is, do you think quarterbacks are going to be drafted before 17? Talking to, you know, like you know, my buddies throughout the league and it, they all say the same thing. These guys are going to go, but no one can give me a definitive answer in terms of where that's going to start. Uh, you know, that's the big question. Uh, Carolina at six and Atlanta at eight, Seattle at nine. Uh, do we see a team like the Steelers instead of just staying pat at 20, go up to get their guy? You know, we've seen it in the past. Uh, you know, they, they will be aggressive for the right player, whether that's Troy Polamalu or Devin Bush. They will be aggressive to get their guy in the first round. Uh, but so I, I think these guys go, but yeah, it, it's, it's just hard to nail down where those uh, exact spots are going to go, what teams, and then what order these quarterbacks come off the board. Is it Kenny Pickett? Is it uh, Malik Willis? Um, so I, there's still plenty that we're trying to figure out last year, five quarterbacks in the top 15. We knew quarterbacks were going one, two, three. We knew Justin Fields wasn't going to have to wait too much longer after that. Uh, and then Mac Jones. So, but this year, a lot more intrigue with the quarterbacks, uh, it, this is a quarterback class that's easy to like, hard to love, but we know quarterback desperation is a real thing as well. So um, I, I do think when it's all said and done, we will have two quarterbacks come off the board before pick 17. Um, and and uh, that's that's good news for the Chargers. That is, you know, Dane, you know, when we get this participant list of, of guys who are attending the draft. I see Matt Corral. I see that we would talk about McDuffie from Washington. Kyler Gordon from Washington's going to be there. Um, what are you hearing about the first round? Because I feel like this has been a, a year in which nobody really knows the order. And, and obviously every team's going to have their board and their particular uh, preferences. Um, but the fact that I, I, am I reading too much into the fact that Matt Corral is going to be there and maybe a first round pick or, or Kyler Gordon's going to be there. And I, I just, I don't really know what to expect in this first round. Yeah. You know what we've seen players, uh, you know, not you know, go to the draft, attend the draft and then not get selected till day two. Um, so it, that, that has happened before they go back to the hotel room, come back on Friday, uh, you know, hopefully have two changes of clothes, uh, two suits, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, it, it, ideally, yeah, I mean, the, the NFL tries to invite players that they believe will be first round players. Um, now, they've invited players that turned down their offer, which, you know, we've seen before. Guys want to be with their families. They want to be at home in a comfortable setting. That's that's great. That's this is their day. You know, they should do what's comfortable for them. So I, I don't I wouldn't read too much into who's not there. But it is interesting to your point about some of the names that will be there. Uh, you know, Matt Corral definitely being one of them. 
Uh, I think, you know, just a lot of people think uh, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, probably the three quarterbacks with the best chance to be first round picks. Maybe Matt Corral gets in there. Matt Corral is really interesting. He has such a, he, he reminds me kind of like a shortstop in baseball, a point guard in basketball. Everything he does is quick. The, his feet, his release, his eyes. Now, sometimes too quick. Uh, I mean, he, he played in an offense at Ole Miss where everything was uh, you know, designed for him. Uh, it was, you know, uh, he knew where he was going pre-snap based off the read. So that post-snap processing, that's a big question for, for Matt Corral. But I, I can see why an NFL team would be able to talk themselves into Corral uh, being an igniter for their offense. You know, the teams want quarterbacks that are going to be able to put points on the board. Matt Corral did that at the college level. He has the type of skill set to be able to do that at the NFL level, even if there's some projection involved uh, with his evaluation. You know what else is quick? His punch to the face of a hockey legend. Son, that's what else is quick for Matt Corral. <laughs> Dane, um, he mentioned uh, – he mentioned Kyler Gordon. I'm going to go with the two Washington defensive backs. Uh, as, as people know on this, this podcast, I am, uh, I am incredibly biased, especially toward high school studs in Southern California. I love high school football more than anything, and especially when they advance and, and become great players that end up playing in the NFL. McDuffie on the other side of him. Uh, it seems like this is your high character, leader of the defense, everything you would want, but the measurables aren't there. How big of a deal is that? And, and what kind of slide might that, because it feels like this is one of the cleanest prospects and someone people are really excited about, but then you look at the measurables and you wonder if he could slide. Uh, That's totally fair. And this sounds hyperbolic, but Trent McDuffie might be the most impressive cornerback that I have ever talked to in doing, doing this the last dozen years uh, before the draft. I mean, he is so smart, so sharp. Uh, I mean, I, I would throw, I, I had a, a good sit down with him uh, and we talked for over an hour and I would throw all these situations at him. You know, if the offense is doing this, what are you doing? And he's, I mean, without even thinking about it, he knows exactly, okay, well, I'm, I'm running cover two, but then the other side is going to switch to a cover four. We're, you know, we're going bail uh, from this look. He's so sharp and that Washington secondary, we know, they prepare their guys. It's no coincidence that the, that program has produced so many defensive backs in the NFL. Uh, and a lot of that is because of the versatility. They play man, they play zone. They prepare their guys for NFL life. And Trent McDuffie definitely fits that. But to your point, sub 5'11", under 30-inch arms, uh, it, it, that is something that some teams will have their thresholds. Uh, they don't want corners that are below six foot. They don't want corners that are below 31, 32-inch arms. That will be a problem now for other teams. Maybe it's not as much of a problem because they, uh, you know, really uh, they, they focus on the processing. They focus on the speed, some of the athletic traits. Trent McDuffie definitely has those. So some teams, uh, I don't think Trent McDuffie will be in consideration for them in the top 20. For other teams, uh, I think he will. So, But I, I think it is uh, in the realm of possibility that Trent McDuffie could see a little bit of a slide, uh, possibly uh, into the 20s uh, because of the size concerns you know let me follow up there christy because we talked about this with asante right and we saw him playing the outside and some of the issues he had tackling you know he had two concussions both of them come and trying to bring down big running backs is is that size a concern for mcduffie or no he's thick he seems like he's a sound tackler um as well so is that is that is that a fair comparison or no is that not the size concern for for mcduffie I, you know, just based off of tape, you saw the size concerns more in coverage than you did in anything else. He's actually, uh, like you said, he's an above average run defender. Uh, he's really good at coming to balance, 
using uh, you know ideal form with his technique to get his guy on the ground. Uh, so, but I mean, you, you do worry about durability with smaller players. There's, there's no doubt, but I think with the size concerns, it comes more with receivers being able to uh, shield them from the catch a little bit. Uh, you know, the lack of inches, it'll show on jump balls where receivers are able to high point and uh, they're just not at much that McDuffie can do about it. Cause he, he's just missing those, uh, you know, those extra two or three inches. So uh, I think it shows more in coverage than necessarily uh, other parts of his game. Um, I was actually pleasantly surprised with what he does in one sport. I'd love to be a fly on the wall listening to Brandon Staley and, and McDuffie have a conversation about mm-hmm. playing cornerback and playing defense. I think they're still talking. They're still- <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm going to mix in some fan questions, Dane. Um, this is from Rogue Panda 619. T- Tom Telesco has never traded back. Could this be the year that changes? And you and I just talked about this. Yeah. You know, they don't have a second round pick. There's a lot of talent in, in the like the meat of this draft. Does it make sense for the Chargers to maybe drop out of 17 and pick up another selection or two? I think you can make the argument that that's, that's something they should look uh, you know, and very strongly consider without having that second round pick. Being able to uh, you know, recoup that that second rounder would be would be big. And I think a lot of it depends on, uh, you know, you're not making this move now, obviously. You're not making it before the picks start. But as, you know, you see the first 16 picks play out, uh, you know, if you say they're targeting Trevor Penning, for example, or say they want a right tackle, uh, but four tackles come off the board in the first 15 picks, all of a sudden, maybe you're a little more open to uh, to moving back uh, because, you know, maybe you're at that point, you want to target a wide receiver or a corner and you feel good about the wide receivers or corners that'll be available at 25, 26, wherever you're moving back to. So I think a big part of this conversation, uh, it, it really depends on who's going to be there at picks number 17 for you. Uh, but it's, you keep the phone lines open. Uh, I know this is, it's, it, it'd be out of character for, for this team to trade back, but to, a chance to get back into that second round, uh, get another day two pick that has to be awfully appealing for a team that, uh, you know, could use more starters. Cause that's like you said, the meat of this draft is going to be that late first, second, third round. A lot of future starters are coming out of that, that range. And to have another bite at the apple that that's, that's awfully appealing. What's happening with Stingley, Dane? Teams as early as the Texans at three are doing a lot of work on him. Um, It's, it's kind of gone full circle (laughs) with Derek Stingley. Um, I, I still think he, there's a good chance he ends up top 10. If I, I don't think he gets past Vikings at 12, uh, which that might actually be the best uh, uh, landing spot for him. I, I had one, uh, somebody with LSU uh, kind of tell me how uh, the chance to land with a, like a big brother, like uh, Patrick Peterson in Minnesota right. would be the ideal scenario uh, for Derek Stingley. Cause he, he's not really an alpha. That's not really his personality. Um, but you know, so to go into a locker room as a first round pick, as you know, being looked at as the top corner uh, it, it, that'd be, that'd be tough for him, but to go to a place like Minnesota that has that uh, set up with the cornerbacks, th- that would be the ideal spot for him. But Texans at three, uh, the Seahawks at nine. There, there are several teams interested in Derek Stingley and what he can bring to their defense. We were dreaming two weeks ago uh, about him falling to 17. That dream's over? A lot of those dreams have uh, have ended, by the way, Dan. We've <laughs> talked about Jordan Davis dropping to 17. We've talked yeah. about Jamison Williams dropping to 17. Then it was, da- then it was uh, Stingley. Like all of these dreams we've had in the last two months are now gone. Hey, somebody's got to drop, right? You know, I mean, right? it's uh, – you never know. Jamison Williams in the ACL, you, you, you never know with that. And this is a really, it's a loaded wide receiver class. It's a top heavy 
wide receiver class. And so if teams have similar grades on Jamison Williams and say a Chris Olave or, uh, you know, Garrett Wilson, uh, do they opt for the player they know is healthy and they don't have to worry about, uh, you know, not being there for training camp and, you know, maybe some question marks about when you're going to be full health. And so you never know with a guy like Jamison Williams coming off the injury, Jordan, Jordan Davis, yeah, we just got talking about this, but uh, not every team's going to be super excited to take a nose tackle. That is not a proven, not a proven player in terms of getting, uh, giving you pass rush. Uh, not every team's going to be on board with that. So I, I do think the odds are they will go in the top 16 picks, but you know, somebody has got to fall. And so I, I, that's, that's the fun of the draft. We just don't know how it's going to play out. Dana, you know, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry, Chris, just to, cause before we move on from that with Davis, because so much of it is scheme dependent, right? Like yeah. it seems like Wyatt and Davis are mentioned together. Of course, they played on the same defense at Georgia, but uh, for, for our listeners that, that don't quite follow along, oh, well, it's not just the player, it's the scheme and, and the scheme fit. Is Wyatt a better fit for, for Brandon Staley's defense and the kind of tackles that he likes than Davis? You, you could make that argument, sure. With Wyatt, you're getting more uh, of an upfield penetrator, uh, a guy that you know, you're going to line up over the gap. And with that quickness, that motor that he plays with, uh, it's going to give you a little bit more disruption. Um, and, and Wyatt, I think, kind of like Davis, I mean, he, he really didn't get a chance to let loose uh, in that scheme and how he was used in, in Dan Lanning's 3-4 uh, scheme that they ran at Georgia. Um, but with Brandon Staley, I think that he'd have more opportunities where uh, not only is he going to help your, your pass rushers with Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa, but he's going to be able to provide some of that interior disruption as well. So I think that'd be a natural fit. But, you know, Jordan Davis, what he brings to you in the run game is certainly appealing. I mean, he has a chance to be a really dominant run defender. And I mean, pound for pound, maybe the best athlete in this draft. Uh, yeah. I mean, you just don't see 340 pounders moving like that. My biggest question with Jordan Davis is just when the snap count goes up, can he sustain that level of energy, that uh, that that athleticism? And he averaged 25 defensive snaps a game last season at Georgia. They, you know, really both linebackers, front, uh, their defensive line, they uh, rotated these guys in on a regular basis. And if you have the guys, that's a smart just to keep these guys fresh. But if you're drafting a Jordan Davis in the top 20, you're going to expect him to play 35, 40 snaps a game. And so when that snap count goes up, can Jordan Davis still sustain that level of energy? That That's kind of where my biggest question comes in with him. Next question, Jay West, 1017. And Money and I have talked about the running back position a lot over the last couple of months. Are we getting a backup running back somewhere in the draft with uh, a big-eyed emoji with tears in his eyes? So I, this Jay West needs a, needs a running back. Um, behind Austin Eckler and we've talked about Austin 15 to 18 touches keeping him fresh um is there a running back that you see in this draft that may be a good fit for this offense I, I think there's several and we're gonna see a couple running backs go uh round two or you know top 60 with Brees Hall Kenneth Walker uh Isaiah Spiller will, will probably fit somewhere in the third round uh but for the most part the the sweet spot for running backs in this draft is going to be the fourth fifth sixth round we're going to see a ton of these guys fly off the board. And I think it depends on what direction uh, the Chargers want to go. Do they want to go with a player that's similar uh, to an Austin Eckler where, you know, he's going to, you can trust him out of the backfield in terms of his hands and running routes, or do they want more of a compliment, uh, more of a power element, a guy that's going to be a bruiser between the tackles, because this draft has both, uh, you know, if they want more of that interior presence, a guy like Damian Pierce from Florida, uh, you know, five, nine and a half, 220 pounds, 
runs with tremendous energy, lowers his pads, and he's just a violent runner, and he does not apologize for it. Uh, and you also love how dependable he is. Doesn't fumble. He doesn't drop passes. Uh, he's uh, reliable in pass protection. So Damian Pierce is a player that I think will be a better pro uh, than college player, what we saw at Florida. Uh, Brian Robbins from Alabama can fit that mold. Uh, six, one and a half, 225 pounds. Uh, you know, he had a chance to be the guy at Alabama. He did not let that opportunity uh, go to waste. He had over 1,300 yards this past season. A lot of it based off of what he could do. Uh, more of a one cut, uh, one cut and go type of runner, but uh, remind me a lot of Latavius Murray. You know, who, who is a, a, a running back in the league for a lot of years. So I think this draft, if they want to get that compliment, there are plenty of options on day three that would make sense. Let me uh, let me throw one at you here, Dane. I'm no Dane Brugler. I'm no Daniel <laughs> Jeremiah. You're a podcast husband. We share a spouse uh, in the world of the draft with Lance Zerline. I have not heard a lot. So I'm not you guys, okay? I'm just uh, I'm just a dude watching watching tape from time to time. And I like saying that. It makes me feel special. <laughs> but... Tape head. Ab- Abram Smith jumped out at me. Yeah. And I I don't know why. I feel like he's he gets skinny. I love it. He has explosiveness. It feels like he really punishes defenders that try to tackle. And I, I, I'll, I'll plead ignorance. I don't really remember him from Baylor games at all. What can you tell me about him? Are my eyes deceiving me? Or is there something electric about Abram Smith? You got a good eye. No, I tell you what, Abram Smith, he's, I think he's a top 10 running back in this class. Uh, He's, he had over 1600 yards last year. uh, And just a a outstanding story. Uh, He's played linebacker at Baylor uh, before he got his chance at running back and uh, didn't, didn't let it go to waste. He's, he's a little upright. You you do, you wish there's some better pad level. uh, But I do agree with you in terms of getting skinny and getting through gaps uh, you know, he, he's a guy that has patience. Uh, he's, it's a fine line being patient, but yet being decisive. I, I think he walks it, uh, really well. Um, he, he's tailor made for the zone offense outside, uh, split zone. That's what's what he does best. Um, and I think the, the additional thing with him, oh, two things, he, a one-year starter, which usually when we talk about a one-year starter, it might not be a positive, but with a running back, it is a positive. It means that, you know, only 269 carries in his career at, at, at college. So plenty of tread left on the tire. And, and then uh, secondly, played a lot of special teams. So, you know, if you're a backup running back in the league, be ready to stand out on special teams because that's going to be your ticket to staying on a roster and, and you know, being a, a heavy contributor. Abram Smith did that quite a bit. Uh, so I think the special teams, uh, being a performer, uh, a four-team special, uh, four-core special teamer, but then also what he can do at offense uh, and, and give you a little bit extra juice. That that makes a ton of sense. Jordan, clip it, money. <laughs> I'm filling in this, every round. Clip this one for Saturday. Wait till they take my punter in the seventh. My God, the victory <laughs> lap I'm going to do. <laughs> Dade, uh, Jay Gillette 03 asks, oh, which position group do you feel would have the greatest impact on this year's team? So I, I guess – what position group uh, is the strongest that could make an impact on the Chargers in 2022 as they look to make a playoff run? Well, I, I mean, I think the strongest position in this draft is edge rusher. Uh, there's no doubt about it. Um, but, you know, obviously I think with, uh, you know, the, the addition they made with Khalil Mack and, you know, Joey Bosa, we know is not going anywhere. So, you know, edge rusher, I'm not sure necessarily a, a position they're going to attack early. But um, after edge rusher, I think you're looking at, you know, wide receiver, corner, uh, even tackle uh, to a lesser extent. And we, we know they could go, uh, you know, one of those three positions, no doubt. Wide receiver 
is a little top heavy where we're going to see these guys fly off the board in the first round, uh, six wide receivers, maybe seven. Uh, it, they're they're going to go. And, you know, part of it is some of the contracts being handed out in the NFL right now. Yeah. Uh, it seems want to get younger. They want to get cheaper uh, at, at a position where uh, wide receiver is now the second most expensive position in the NFL, uh, just behind quarterback. And, and so a chance to, and it's funny because you look at the, the hit rate on first round wide receivers, it's not great. I mean, they, obviously some stars come out of the first round receiver, but it's not, uh, it's not the hit rate that necessarily you want, but that's not going to stop teams from, from taking swings uh, in the first round. So these guys are going to go early. Um, now I still think there will be receivers in the third round if they want to go that direction. If, you know, Calvin Austin from Memphis or, uh, Khalil Shakur from, uh, uh, Boise from state Mist- from Vista Marietta high school. There you go. There That's you go. where Khalil Shakur's from. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think that this draft, uh, wide receivers, it's a little top heavy. They're going to go early, but there still should be some, some viable options in round three, if they want to go that direction. And then, I think there is a drop off once you get to day three, um, you know, with the, the fourth, fifth round. But there are a few uh, receivers in that range that that could make sense. Avalis Jones from Tennessee, uh, Danny Gray from SMU, uh, one of my favorite mid round receivers this year. He could be this year's version of, say, like a Darnell Mooney, who, uh, you know, has uh, grown into a starter in Chicago for the Bears. So uh, the wide receiver position every year, it, it seems like we're talking about receivers as being a strong yeah. position this year's no different. Hey, let me just interject real quick. Cause we have a ton of questions And this one is from John Malloy. Are we taking a receiver round one? We've talked about 17. Is it a luxury pick? Is it a pick that could put you over the top because you have Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler coming out of the backfield, Gerald Everett, a tight end, maybe that speedster type, you know, we don't know if Jameson Williams will be there, but a guy like Williams or Alave, if they're there at 17, is that, you know, something that you seriously consider? I think a lot of fans will line up. Okay. These are the top five needs. So, okay. First five rounds that need to go in order, you know, top needs, first round, second needs, second round. I mean, it just, that's not how NFL teams operate. The first round needs to go, needs to be reserved for the player that's going to best impact your roster. So if that ends up being a receiver, a speed element, a guy that's going to help uh, stretch out the defense, then absolutely. Why, why not? Uh, uh, so yes, a little bit of a luxury pick when you have talent at the position already, but uh, a chance to uh, add another weapon for your young quarterback, uh, a chance to make your offense even that more explosive. Why is that a bad thing? And, and so uh, I, I think as the Chargers look at their options, looking at a right tackle, looking at a corner, uh, you know, looking at potential trade opportunities, wide receiver that's going to be right there in the mix uh it'll be interesting when we see that first receiver come off the board who's left for them if Jamison Williams is there I I love that fit I think that'd be a lot of fun Justin the Jamison I mean it'd be it'd be fireworks so um because of the ACL you never know um if he's not there uh, Chris Olave uh, that's another fit that I think would, would make sense Chris Olave is NFL ready I mean he is helping you tomorrow uh, he's the senior of the group, uh, really polished route runner. Uh, the one thing that I, I dislike about Chris Olave is he's not going to give you much after the catch. He, he's not a, a yak type of guy. He's not going to break tackles. Uh, there's not really a level of physicality with him, but he's still a player that gets open and he can win deep. And so I, you can do a lot with a player like Chris Olave. They can line up, up and down the formation, inside, outside, and, and really give your uh, offense some options. You know, you 
you mentioned the the names and and obviously Shakir's one that that I followed. He followed Bachmeyer up to, to Boise State. That connection always fun to to see that with quarterback and receiver. But like George Pickens is another one that's mentioned because he's been hurt. Is he going to slide? So let's just say the Chargers pass on wide receiver in the first round. They don't have a second, and it's that third round group. It's the same round they picked Joshua Palmer in last year, and you know it seemed like when they made the selection, it was fifty fifty how people felt about him, but. We love him. I mean, watching him in the preseason when he got his opportunities, he really shined. Are are these receivers that they might get in like the third, fourth, fifth round, Dana, are they as good as Josh Palmer? Because like to me, it's if you're gonna upgrade that position, they gotta be better than Josh. You know, they they've gotta be out, they've gotta take that starting position from him and make him a rotational receiver. Uh, yeah, I think it's an excellent point. Uh, and, and I think that that will factor into the decision making. I don't think that the chargers are necessarily going into this draft saying, okay, we got to get a receiver. We got, you know, we have to use one of those early picks on, on, on a wide out. I think it's, if a wide receiver in the first round makes sense because of the way he can impact your offense, then, you know, let, let's make it happen. And the same thing will be true in the third round. If the right fit is there uh, in terms of what fits this offense. Um, and I don't, I don't know that it, it, it comes down to better or worse than Palmer, but you know, how, how does he complement the offense? Um, and so, you know, you're, you're getting all these guys on the field and letting them contribute. So, yeah, I, I think that at seven, it's a 79 in the third round. So, you know, we're, you know, it's 78 players off the board. There's a lot yeah. of, be a lot of good receivers in that mix. There's a good chance that you're not feeling uh, 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 great about the receivers at 79 in terms of them, being a, a better option uh, than Palmer, who you drafted in the in the third round last year. Dan, I'm curious because I don't think we've talked a lot about the tight end position in, in this draft on the pod. And you know, I know the, the Chargers got Gerald Everett. I think Ger Gerald's on a one-year deal of money, right? Yeah. Yeah, so you, you have Donald Parham, you have Everett, um, you have Trey McKitty, who you drafted last year. Um, what about guys like Greg Dulcich and, you know, some of these other tight ends that McBride probably, yeah, McBride, some of those guys are probably going the second round. Yeah. It's a, it's a interesting tight end year because we probably don't see a tight end in the first 50 picks. Uh, but after that, between picks 51 and uh, 125, the tight ends are going to fly off the board. Uh, you know, the Trey McBride's Greg Dulcich, um, I, Jeremy Ruckert, I'm a big fan at Ohio State. I think he's going to be a much better pro than he was in college. Uh, he, he's been a little off the radar because of that foot injury that he had at the senior bowl. So no combine, no pro day. Uh, but Jeremy Ruckert is uh, he's a good athlete for a guy that's six, five and a half, 250 catches the ball really, really well. He's, a, he's actually a, a big-time soccer player growing up, uh, a goalie. And so he, he credits uh, you know, his, his hands uh, from being a goalie all those years, uh, his hand-eye coordination, the focus, and things like that. So uh, Jeremy Rucker, you know, just you know, all you have to do is watch five, uh, five plays of that Ohio State offense to understand why he wasn't utilized more uh, in the passing game. Uh, the yeah. wide receivers on that team were just uh, bananas. Yeah. And so uh, Rucker, but he was still on the field. You know, he's blocking, he's running routes. And when he was targeted, good things happened. So Jeremy Rucker, I think, is going to end up being a steal when he goes, you know, I, I think if the, if the Chargers wanted him, they'd have to take my 79 because um, I, I don't think he makes it too much uh, uh, past that. Um, but if they don't want to use a top 100 pick on a tight end, if they want to wait to the uh, fourth round, fifth round, this draft's still going to have options. Uh, a guy like uh, Charlie Kohler from Iowa State, uh, six, six and a half, 250, uh, tested out, outstanding. Even if you don't always see that on the film, he's a guy that works really well in contested windows. He's going to help you in the red zone immediately. 
Um, Daniel Bellinger from uh, San Diego State, a Las Vegas native, 6'5", 250. Uh, another guy that didn't have a ton of production, just how he was using the offense. Um, but you feel like he could be a better pro than he was used in college. Uh, and then one of my, my favorite, uh, you know, quote unquote sleepers or not really a sleeper because people know about him, um, but maybe an underrated tight end, James Mitchell from Virginia Tech. 6'4", 250, uh, had a torn ACL back in September. So, uh, but as long as the doctors tell me, hey, the, the knee's looking great, you know, it's going to be uh, fully healthy here uh, pretty soon for training camp. James Mitchell could absolutely end up being a steal uh, if he goes fourth, fifth round. Uh, really athletic player, can be a three-level uh, passing threat uh, for your offense. And I think that that'd be a, a really nice, uh, you know, long-term plan uh, if, say, Gerald Everett's only here for uh, one more year. No, you're uh, just kind of speaking of of positions that may slide down the board. How much like I, I was listening to your colleague over at the Athletic, Robert Mays, does a great job as well. And he was talking um, just about position groups and, and how we now value certain position groups. And I know our colleague, you know, Daniel Jeremiah has been talking about it as well. And you mentioned it with wide receivers, with the contracts that are being handed out. You rarely see tackles, you know, elite tackles drafted outside of the first round. Have you noticed a big difference with with teams and and how they're drafting and how they're not? I mean, we've seen it with running backs, but are we seeing it with safeties? Are we seeing it with linebackers? Are we seeing a number of these positions just being grabbed out of the first round and shoved, you know, behind it? Because it's it's either a not a premium position, b you know, an exceptional one doesn't necessarily make that big of a difference, like a tackle and edge, a wide receiver, something like that. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, every year the draft kind of evolves a little bit in terms of how teams attack it and it tackles one of those positions, like you mentioned, that they go early. I mean, the fact that Rashawn Slater fell to the 13th pick is still kind of a little mind boggling. Uh, but it, because the guys, guys that are that talented just usually don't last and people thought overthought, you know, the, the, the lack of length with him. Uh, but more often than not, uh, tackles, if they're good enough, they're not making it to the second round. So that's that's definitely one of those positions, uh, the, you know, the premium positions. I think you include uh, edge rusher in that group. Uh, now, edge rusher this year, because it's such a deep group, uh, I think we will see some pretty good edge rushers go on day two. But usually if you're, you know, we saw it last year with a run on those guys in the late first. Uh, you know, the uh, Odafe Owe and uh, Gregory Rousseau and, uh, the, the kid at Tampa and the, the Saints drafted. I mean, they, we saw just a run on edge rushers because you know we know the value of that position. It, it, that'll be the same thing this year. But uh, a couple positions that you know do get pushed down a little bit. Safety. Uh, we don't see a ton of safeties drafted. Top ten, top twenty, top twenty-five. Usually teams will wait get those guys on day two. Uh, obviously, like you mentioned, running back, that, that's something. So it, the position value is going to be a little different from team to team. But we, we're seeing more and more, it's pretty obvious which positions that teams value, uh, aside from the quarterback, that's obvious, but tackle, edge rusher, corner, wide receiver, those four positions are, that, that's what teams are looking for. That, that's, those are the cornerstones, the foundational positions, and we usually see those positions go early on draft weekend. Yeah, I bring it up, Dane, because we, Chris, posted a clip from this conversation we had last week about Penny and what to do if he's there, and you know, a lot of people push back. That's, you know, why would you draft that guy there? But does that, do you think that carries more value that when a tackle starts sliding, it is more valuable to say, take him instead of a wide receiver, instead of a different position because of look that the best tackles in the league, when you look historically, the overwhelming percentage of them are taken in the first round. 
drafts is all about value and you know, it's uh, that, that you want to get proper value for your picks. Um, and I, I keep going back to your, your pick needs to be what you think impacts your, your team the most. Uh, and if that's a speed option, then so be it. If that's going to be a right tackle uh, who you feel is going to stabilize that offensive line, then by all means, uh, if you think that's going to impact your offense in the biggest way, that should be the move. So a guy like Trevor Penn, I mean, we, we saw Rashawn Slater fall to the 13th pick last year. So Trevor Penning falling to the 17th pick, I, I don't think that's all that uh, alarming or, you know, I don't think we should be, uh, you know, why is he still there? Or, you know, any red flags. I mean, it's, it, you could see it. it. It's not every team's going to be on board with an FCS player, uh, even though, I mean, I, I, going back to last August, he was in my top, uh, top 32 players. So this is, he's been on the NFL radar for quite a long time. Uh, and he goes to the senior bowl. Uh, I, I thought he helped himself. Uh, you know, you love the aggressive mentality. You love uh, the size, the length, the movement skills. Uh, is he still improving in some areas? Uh, does he need to be more consistent with his technique and his footwork and uh, especially his hands uh, and just in terms of the placement, uh, the connect rate uh, and, and being a better uh, sustained guy at the point of attack? Yeah, it's more of a consistency issue as opposed to something that you really worry about. His issues are coachable and you feel like as, as he sees better competition, grows, develops, it, it's, it's going to get better. So uh, with Trevor Penning, I, I really like that fit at, at 17 if he's available to go offensive tackle back-to-back years in the first round, really help out your quarterback. And it goes to your point, Dan, of like, don't overthink it. You had him in your top 32 a year ago, right? So yeah. like he, he's been on the radar and he's a good player. And I think he would look great on the other side of Rashawn Slater. Uh, another fan question, Mr. Wilson Obozo do you think that the media and fans view later round draft picks less valuable than they actually are? It's a good question because I, you know, we fall in love with these mock drafts in the first round. Um, you get just, uh, just as much of an impact in uh, day two and day three picks. Yeah. And the chargers, they've, they got plenty of day three picks this year with four sevenths. Uh, so, you know, it'll be interesting that they use some of those to maybe move around a little bit. Uh, if you want to, you know, try to move up a few spots to, to get guarantee you get your guy um, or if they, if they hold on to them and, and pick players, uh, you want to round out your roster. So you want guys that are going to come in, compete uh, and then draft like this, where I think several positions, it stretches to day three running back tight end, um, is interior offensive line, it, it, they will stretch to, to day three where you feel like you're still getting guys that could be quality contributors. And obviously you're not drafting a player in the seventh round thinking there to come in and be a, a, an immediate uh, impact guy or anything like that. But if you could find someone that's going to help you on special teams, find someone that's going to you know push the starters and uh, just be a quality teammate, that's the goal at that point. Got another fan question in there, Chris. I've been hogging the mic. No, you're good. Let me... Uh, let All right. If you're scrambling, how about this, um, Dane? When we talk about mid to late rounds, you know, Tom Telesco's done a pretty darn good job, um, specifically at linebacker. Drew Tranquil, I think, mm-hmm. is exceptional. Uh, we saw what Kaiser White was able to do. I think he was fourth rounder. So let's go linebacker um, and, and see if we can we can get some some depth there. Just some names that I have one in my brain that I'm going to throw at you, but I'll see if you mention him, him earlier, but just maybe some names that might help replace Kaiser or, or add some depth to, to that, to that group that, that might be available in that, that third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh range. Yeah. I really like this linebacker class. I think it stretches uh, where you're going to feel good about some of the options that you have there. Uh, and we're going to see plenty of these guys go in the first two rounds, guys like Leo Chanel and uh, Christian Harris and Troy Anderson out of Montana state. Um, 
Uh, these guys would go early, but late third, fourth round, uh, you know, a guy like Jojo Doman from Nebraska, I, I think he, he fits that, uh, that nickel linebacker, a guy that can drop in coverage, uh, just a really quality player. And you get him in the fourth round. I think he, that'd be a, a pickup that makes sense for this roster and this team, what they want to do on defense. Um, I, I really like Malcolm Rodriguez out of Oklahoma state. Sure. Is, that, is, that, is that your name That's right the there? guy. Dude, that right. guy is incredible. I have never seen someone with a nose for the ball. He is everywhere. Like, yeah, blew my mind when I watched that guy. And he was a dual-threat quarterback in high school. I mean, he wasn't – this isn't a guy that's been playing linebacker his entire life. I mean, he was, he was a big-time wrestler in high school, uh, come out of Oklahoma. I always uh, love a good – I always love a good wrestler. Right. If you're a wrestler, hands. you can go. Hey. Two-time state champion right here. Uh, he had a 30-3 and three record over his career in high school. Uh, but he goes to Oklahoma State, uh, and they moved to linebacker. And, yeah, this guy was a big-time player. Uh, I, I agree 100% with what you said about uh, his nose for the ball. I mean, he's very, very instinctive, right place, right time. Uh, he reads run pass really, really quickly. So, uh, I mean, he understands play development better than a lot of these linebackers that you see at the college level. Uh, and, and he reacts really quickly. So coverage uh, downhills as a, as a, a more of a run defender, he could do both tested really well. He's a little undersized. You, you worry about the lack of length in terms of taking on blocks, quickly stacking, shedding um, for, you know, a guy that's 5'11", 230 with uh, uh, just over 30 inch arms, but he has speed. He has explosiveness uh, and, and he's a durable player. I mean, he's a productive player, very, he's proven himself. So I, I like him quite a bit. I, I think he's going to be a guy that probably doesn't go to the fourth round, but he's going to stick. Dave, we'll get you out of here on this, this last question. We'll have you next week, and I'm sure fans are going to be pouring him in as we get ready for, uh, for next Thursday. 92, get her done. Uh, who do you think we should draft? Best available or draft a need at 17? And, you know, Tom Telesco's always said we, we take the best player. I don't know if you could shed some more light on – Drafting a need versus best available, because we know there's a limit to that, right? Like if you like Malik Willis, you're not drafting Malik Willis if you have Justin Herbert on your team. <laughs> yeah, right. It, it's kind of like the best available within reason, you know, like, yes. like that's the strategy to take. And it's uh, but, you know, the, the, the Chargers are going to have their own draft board there. Uh, like I just came out with my top 300 on the athletic, but most team draft boards are 125, 150. They're not these extensive draft boards uh, that a lot of teams are, or that, you know, those of us on the outside are looking at. Um, and so I, I think their first round board, it will be set up, but with need in mind, uh, you know, with the, the, their ideal targets, knowing who's going to be there, who has a chance to be there. Um, and, you know, you always care about need, obviously, especially with the first round pick, but you want a guy that can come in and impact your team. But football is a game of attrition as well. You know, it, it's something that it's this is a five year commitment, not who's going to help you right away. So it, it's something that you need the short term and the long term in mind. Um, and, and above all, I keep going back to this, but you want the guy that impacts your roster the, the most. Uh, and that could be in, you can make an argument for a lot of different directions. But who who's going to help put points on the board uh, wins the win column. That's who you need to go after. Uh, and you know, opinions will differ. Could that be an offensive lineman? Could it be a stud defender? Could that be a receiver? Uh, uh, but whoever you think is going to best impact the roster, that needs to be the first round pick. Money. Should we, uh, should uh, no, we, uh, I got one more for him and it's yeah, a yeah. quick one, Dane. Top four punters go. That's, that's what I was going to ask. <laughs> well, uh, Matt Ariza, San Diego State. Obviously, you got to start with him, right? Uh, right? And then Jordan Stout out of Penn State. Uh, right. Big fan of his. Uh, Jake Camarda uh, out of Georgia. Hold uh, on. Hold he, on. He, Come on. Let's get my guy at four. Let's get my guy at four. That's why right, I made well, it four. Uh, 
I is died four. Uh, who's your guy? Is it? I, I got I got Trenton Gill myself, NC okay. State punter at four. Okay, uh, now who are you looking Crikey. at? US, Crikey USC? is my guy. My guy's an Aussie. He's a lefty, a lefty Aussie. Uh, okay, what what part of the country are we talking about here? Big Ten. Big, oh, Illinois. Yeah, Blake Hayes. Hayes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, Tall drink of water. Giant yeah, lever. Directional. Six four two twenty five. Yeah, he's Look a big this. boy. I knew it. <laughs> How about the kid, by the way, how about the kid from modern day? Is he going to, is he going to make a team? Uh, Stonehouse from Colorado state. He's a local kid. Yeah. I, I think that he he's one, he's on the short list. I mean, we'll see probably three of these guys get drafted and then the next uh, four five, six, you know, have a good chance in camp. And he, he's part of that next, that second tier, that four five, six, that's got a real shot. Hey, is the Penn Arisa State go? kid going to get drafted ahead of Ariza? Sorry, Chris. I don't, I don't think so, but you never know. It, it, it's possible. Ariza just, yeah. man, he's special, right? Where's yeah. he going to go? Dane, you think? I think fourth round. I think I, I think he Ooh. I think he's he's that good. That's rich. Yeah. I, I if he's a weapon, teams view him as a defensive weapon. You know, because of his what he can do with that booming leg of his. Yeah. Man, I, I didn't know if we we're gonna get the punter talk in next week or this week. I'm, <laughs> I didn't I'm glad, know. I'm glad of course we we're gonna get punter talk in. I'm glad we closed it. Hey, Dane, <laughs> this was awesome, brother. Uh, next week we'll do it again. Um, fans love it, and uh, we're we're pumped to have you this month. I can't wait to do it. It's gonna be a lot of fun. All right, guys, that'll do it for us. We are almost there in Las Vegas. For Matt Money Smith and Dave Brugler, I'm Chris Harey. This has been Chargers Weekly.